0: We live in a hurting world and we know that right now and we are hurting piece of people. Hurting is natural but forgiveness is supernatural and we're considering just over these couple days did Jesus' words about love your enemy, bless those who persecute you, turn the other cheek, do they really work in a world like ours? How do we apply them for people that are actually involved in the political arena. How should we think about them for all of us? So I want to talk about one person that struggled to do that. He is one of my heroes of forgiveness. Ev says we all ought to get heroes of forgiveness. Abraham Lincoln. He was, um, by his own account, a terrible hater. And William Lee Miller writes in a book, Lincoln, an Ethical Biography, about a relationship that reveals the power of forgiveness in Lincoln's life. And then I want to talk about uh, how he applied that when he was president. Lincoln was a lawyer in the 1850s. Biggest case he ever got, McCormick Reaper case. He was hired by a big law firm in Philadelphia. This is a national case. Lincoln was basically kind of a statewide lawyer, but they needed somebody in Illinois because the case was going to be tried in Illinois and biggest retainer that he ever got. But then the case got reassigned to a court in Cincinnati. So they didn't really need Lincoln anymore. They still paid him. The lead attorney on the case, a famous lawyer of national caliber, was a man named Edwin Stanton. And Stanton had nothing but contempt for Lincoln. Lincoln was so excited about this case, he went in, presented his research. Stanton deliberately snubbed it, would not even look at the research Lincoln had done, would not let Lincoln sit next to him in the courtroom. Lincoln uh, just poignantly said to the group, let's all go have lunch as a gang. And Stanton's response was, I'm not going to have anything to do with that long arm ape. Just treated Lincoln with great contempt. When the Civil War came, Stanton had already been in James Buchanan's cabinet. Again, very prominent guy nationally. Uh, Stanton's assessment was, the rebels will probably take over Washington in 30 days, partly because of the imbecility of Lincoln. But not long into the war, uh, Lincoln needed... A new Secretary of Defense, Simon Cameron, the first one was quite corrupt, and several people said to him, "There's one man that can do it, and that's Edwin Stanton." Lincoln wrote to a friend and said, "It looks like I will have to swallow all of my pride and a good deal of my self-respect, and ask Stanton for the good of the country to do this." And he did, and Stanton was magnificent. He had a ton of energy. He'd be arrogant. Um, extremely assertive. Somebody said at one time to Lincoln, you know, he's just uh, infusing way too much energy into the system. And Lincoln had a story for everything. He said, it's kind of like there was a Methodist preacher who jumped around so much when he was preaching. The congregation said, we may have to put bricks in his robe to load him down. And we may have to do that with Stanton, but let's let him jump around a little bit first. Stanton came to know Lincoln and was awed by this man. Eventually, Lincoln gave a speech someplace, and it was a remarkable piece of thought. And one of Stanton's friends wrote to him, obviously, you must have written that speech. Stanton said, no, I did not. He said, never were men more wrong about somebody than we were about Abraham Lincoln. He is the best of us. He's the best of us. And his loyalty to Lincoln became legendary to such an extent that when Lincoln was assassinated, Ford's Theater and died in that little hotel room next door, Stanton was in the room sobbing. And when Lincoln died, it was Stanton who said, now he belongs to the ages. That man who had called him a long arm ape. Lincoln's capacity to forgive his humility were extraordinary. Michael Ware says that each of us brings to the political arena as citizens, the person that we are. We cannot compartmentalize that. And Lincoln did that. And if you want to be inspired by this, if you want to see something that teaches forgiveness in an extraordinary way that's a state document, then I would uh, point to Lincoln's second inaugural address. He had been re-elected. Ron White says... That this is about the only time when a president gets reelected. Almost every time when a president gets reelected, the first thing they do in their second inaugural is to say, I can't believe that you wanted me again a second time. What an honor. Hashtag blessed. Lincoln doesn't do that. He doesn't refer to himself at all. Deep humility. After the first paragraph, the rest of the speech is a sermon. He quotes the scriptures numerous times. It's a reflection on the meaning of the war and to call to reconciliation. Ev Worthington talks about the reach model of forgiveness. Recall the hurt, but in a different way. Give empathy to the person who hurt you. Offer forgiveness as a gift of altruism. Commit the forgiving and then hold on to it. And the second inaugural, you read through it, that's what it does. He talks about how four years ago... Um, Uh, This painful war got started, but he puts everybody in the same boat as offenders. He says, both sides read the same Bible, pray to the same God, invoke his aid against the others. It might strike us as strange that men should ask a just God to be able to wring their bread from the sweat of somebody else's brows, slaves' brows. But let us judge not lest we be judged. That's in the second inaugural. Moral clarity, but without judgmentalism. And then he goes on to say, the prayers of both sides could not be answered. The prayers of neither side could be answered fully. The Almighty has his own purposes. Now he's recalling the hurt, but in the light of God's presence and God's purposes. And then he quotes Jesus from the Gospel of Matthew. Woe to the world because of offense, sin. For offense must needs come. Human beings are fallen and sinful. But woe to the man through whom offense comes. And then Lincoln says, If we shall suppose that American slavery is one of those offenses which must need come. He doesn't say Southern slavery. He says, everybody was somehow complicit in this system. All white people were somehow complicit in it, had originally been part of it, profited from it. If we suppose that American slavery is one of those offenses which in providence needs come, but which God now wills to remove, And that this terrible war is the woe that God assigns to both North and South because of the offense. Should we therefore cease to attribute those divine attributes that believers always assign to a living God? No, God is at work here. God is just. God is doing something. Fondly do we hope, fervently do we pray, that this mighty scourge of war will swiftly pass away. But if God wills that it continue. This is an extraordinary sentence. This is American president. If God wills that it continue until 250 years of wealth from the unrequited toil of the bondsman be sunk, and for every drop of blood that was drawn by the lash, another shall be drawn by the sword. As it was said 3,000 years ago, it must still be said, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. All of us somehow together have sinned. We have all been wrong, and God is at work in all this, and we all need reconciliation together. And so he calls for that. And then comes that fabulous sentence, with malice toward none, with charity toward all. Now, where does that idea come from? Because that's not a common idea. It was not in the ancient world. With malice toward none. With charity toward all. Well, that's Jesus. Charity. You might remember if you know the old King James version of the Bible that Lincoln was very, very familiar with. Now abideth these three, faith, hope, and charity. That was that word for agape love with malice toward none, charity towards all. Do not repay evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. That's the deeper understanding of life and humanity. That's why uh, Frederick Douglass, uh, the great African-American order, who was often quite Uh, angry with Lincoln for his lack of sensitivity towards African-Americans in particular. But when Douglas heard that speech and uh, heard those words, he said to Lincoln afterwards, Mr. President, that was a divine effort. With malice toward none, with charity toward all, with firmness in the right, as God gives us to see the right, let us bind up the nation's wounds. So, the word for today, whoever your forgiveness hero, is this one, with malice toward none, with charity towards all. And as you walk through the day, as you think about our world situation, people responding in the ways they do, think about Israel, think about Palestinians, think about Hamas, Think about whatever, think about whatever people, think about whatever people in your life. God knows what the level of wrongdoing and evil is in every human heart, and evil needs to be named for our part, with malice toward none, with charity for all. Forgive us as we forgive.
1: Thanks for joining us at become new. We want to grow spiritually one day at a time, but it's tough to do that alone. So we're offering a little more support for anyone who would like to work on putting the content into practice. You can sign up to receive a text at the end of each week in this series, asking if you completed the here's how portion for that week. If you want, you can reply to the text and let us know how it went, or if you need prayer in taking those action steps. To sign up for the end of week reminder, just text the word MORE to 855-888-0444 and we'll put you on the list. As always, to receive the emails or video links by text, you can let us know at becomenew.com/subscribe. If you already signed up for the emails but aren't getting them, try checking your spam folder or better yet, you can add us to your contact list. Our email address is connect at become new.com. If you need prayer, we're here for you. Text your specific prayer request to 855-888-0444. There's a team of us who meet each weekday to pray specifically over every person who sends a text in. We'll catch you next time.